Blog Talk Radio. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, give us a call at 478-389-815. A little uh, Jerry Lawler theme to get you going. Uh, what a crazy week in pro wrestling. Um, as always, my tech team partner, Dave Rosenbluth, online. Dave, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, my friend. How about you? I am doing all right. And, you know, um, it's great that you're doing all right. It's great that I'm doing all right. And, uh uh, I am on location right now. I'm in Boston, getting ready to go to a Night of Champions, watching it live. Um, more than that, though, extremely happy uh, that Jeff the King Lawler is all right. Uh, I guess you can't say he's uh, definitively out of the woods, as they say, yet, but seems like he's at least one foot out of the woods, so to speak. Um, scary, scary stuff on Day Night Raw. Uh, you know, something that you, just, you, you don't think you're ever going to see something like that. Um, just, a, just a scary moment. Um, you, you know, you're watching the happy wrestling fan uh, wrestling show. Uh, it's supposed to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, something very grim happens. Uh, very difficult to watch. Uh, it was just a crazy night and very thankful right now. Very happy that uh, Jerry King Lawler appears to be doing much, much better. Uh, they tout Dio 
thanking the WWE Universe. And, uh, you know, that thing, I mean, with wrestling, we all get real passionate. We all uh, love to argue our, our points and, and, and get into things. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun. And it's great. And we're all passionate wrestling fans. But when something like this, it really uh, puts things in perspective. And uh, a very difficult thing at Raw, Michael Cole handled it the best anybody uh, could be asked to handle it and it was just it was a crazy night uh Dave, your thoughts on what occurred on monday night raw oh it was very scary um it was uh you know watching it and i, I even watched the replay again you still you still get that sense of uh impending doom that was that was set to take place um after the initial announcement was made um you know uh it was reminiscent of the night that owen hart had uh, passed away um just the feeling overall, um, you know, watching it, and uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, how many of, I mean, the fans obviously in attendance saw that, you know, there was something wrong, but um, I mean, I don't, I wasn't there live, so I don't know what the general consensus among everyone else there um, was, but I'm assuming it was uh, of great concern for uh, uh, Jerry Lawler's well-being. Um, it didn't feel like a wrestling show for the last hour and a half. Um, I'll say that much. It was more like a, uh, it was more like a news update that you're watching your local news. Something, you know, something occurred and, you know, you were, you were kind of glued to the television set, hoping for good news. And, uh, eventually at the end of the night, when the new, when the good news came that he was breathing on his own and, uh, you know, his heart was beating, uh, regular at a, at a regular pace that, um, you know, we could all sleep better. Um, but it's, it, it's great news to hear that, you know, uh, uh that Jerry Lawler had, um, is uh is doing well and that uh you know um this uh this won't set him back uh going forward. Yeah, I mean it was it was first off it was eerily similar to to Owen Hart which was very difficult at least for myself to to watch and listen uh, you know something you know like that happened with Owen uh you just never think you're going to see anything remotely like that ever again. Um, and I remember definitively, you know, uh, details of, of that night, uh, full tragedy. Um, and it, it was surreal that some of the stuff that Michael Cole was saying was almost like he got JR's script from Owen's uh, tragedy. And it was, it was a really, really bad deja vu. Uh, you know, and, and it's weird, like you said, it was like watching a news program. I, I completely missed uh, the bro kick stipulation. Completely missed it. I, I just was so uh, distraught. And, and honestly, expecting the worst. Uh, to be perfectly honest, and I, I, when they cut to my pole, uh it just didn't sound good. And having, I guess, that memory of, of and you just were kind of waiting for them to, to cut back to Michael Cole and say, you know, basically, fortunately, the worst has happened. Um, uh, it was it was really difficult to watch every time. You know, Dave, we we talked on the phone about this, and we were both in agreement that every time they came back to Michael Cole, uh, your stomach kind of sank. You were just waiting for the bad news. Uh, you know, the baller didn't make it. And, uh, you know, at the time they, they came back to him, it was uh, encouraging, but at least alive. 
there was life there. And uh, by the end of the show, uh, good news that he was breathing on his own, uh, but, but definitely a, a very uh, surreal experience uh, to go through. I mean, I, I just, I, you know, it just I, no words can really describe what that was like. And I went back and I watched it as well. Um, you know, you go back and you watch and you try and find signs. You try and find clues. And I had I had someone who contacted me and said, you know, if you watch the match that he's in, uh, Ziggler drops a couple of big elbows, and, you know, he looked distraught afterwards. I went back. I watched the elbows, you know, a half dozen times. I I just honestly, I think it was Lawler just selling the elbows. I had a hard time really looking at it and saying, you know, the elbow had more impact than, than any other wrestling move. And, and Lawler's a genius. Lawler leads the business. You know, he was selling those elbows. So I don't think that really had anything to do with it. Um, if you watch closely, if you go, if you want to watch it, uh, it appears at some point that uh, Lawler actually signals. Uh, it could be a state manager um, or someone to come over, uh, and, and they're speaking. Um, and this, you know, it goes, announcing goes silent uh, initially where, you know, Lawler's obviously conscious, and, and it looks like he's talking to uh, the stage manager uh, when actually, I guess, had the heart attack. Uh, kudos to the medical team and stagehands or whoever was involved, but uh, they got Jerry out of there in a hurry. And, you know, if you know even a little bit about medicine and, and especially when it comes to having a heart attack, time, time is the most important thing. Time is the enemy. The longer you go without uh, medical attention, the you know the more risk you have of, of things not working out well and uh, fast. Uh, the WWE staff and they, I mean they were fast on this, and uh, you know Jerry should be very thankful that uh, you know he was there in a WWE arena. I mean it, it's weird because. For us and watching it and, and sharing in the experience, it was difficult to watch. But for Jerry Lawler, having the heart attack on TV was probably the best thing that could have happened to him, relatively speaking. Obviously, the best thing would be not having a heart attack at all. But, you know, if he had it at home, you know, he doesn't get the medical attention that quickly. They were on him really quick. And, uh, you know, kudos to... Uh, the staff of the WWE getting on Jerry Lawler as quickly as they did. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was a blessing in disguise that he was in. He, there were a lot of people around him because if he was, you know, driving to the arena or if he was, you know, like you said, at home, um, you know, we we might be uh, we might be talking about his passing today. Um, so you know, you you can't think. You know, I mean, obviously Jerry is is very grateful for. You know the, the the medical attention he received so quickly, and the people that that were around him um, to 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 uh, tend to his need at the time. So uh, yeah, big big kudos out to them, and uh, you know uh, I'm I'm glad to say that you know we're talking about him recovering more so than his passing. And and a big big kudos to TNA, um, classy move, beginning uh, of Impact on Thursday night for them to. Uh, you know, kind of give a shout out to Lawler and wish him the best. And uh, Taz, you know, say, you know, it's my pal. And, 
you know, uh, rolling for Jerry. Um, I, I thought that was a class act. I mean, it's not expected, and, and there's no obligation there. I, I mean, let's say TNA has no obligation to say anything about Lawler. It's it's a rival company. Uh, you're both on TV. They, they don't have to. And you know what? If Impact came and went and they didn't say anything, you know, I'm not judging them. I mean, it's a WWE employee. I'm not judging if they didn't say anything. Um, so I thought it was a real class act on their part to kind of just throw a, a shout-out to him and, and wish him the best on their show, something that they did not have to do but chose to uh, take care of and, um, you know, send their well wishes uh, Jerry Lawler's way. Um, I'm curious what you think, David. You know, we're going to try here to transition into some wrestling talk. And it's tough, and when something like this happens, it really does put everything in perspective. Um, Storylines and matches and pay-per-views and everything are just not as important. Uh, you know, and it, it's tough, but we're going to try. Because you're a wrestling fan, that's what the show is all about. So you want to call in, talk some wrestling, 347-838-9815. Speaking of storyline, and I'm curious your thoughts, and continuing on with Jerry Lawler, if we remember Jerry Lawler, and I, I would assume that Lawler gave the go-ahead. Uh, he used the, the passing of his mother as part of a storyline. This guy bleeds the business. He does. Um, you know, his run with Andy Kaufman blurring the lines between reality and wrestling storyline. I mean, you know, you go back, there's a documentary on it. If you haven't seen it, go watch, uh, you know, the, the Andy Kaufman Lawler stuff. It's just, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, curious for you, though, Dave, as a fan, and I don't know where I stand on this, if in some way, shape, or form they use this incident as, as part of the storyline, if in some way, shape, or form uh, a CM Punk or, or a Dolph Ziggler even, you know, says they had a hand in putting Jerry down or, you know, Jerry has to retire and someone take that as the king. Curious what you think of that. Is it a good move? Should they steer clear of that? Um. I kind of go back and forth on it. To me, if it's Jerry's decision, it's Jerry's decision. If he decides he wants to use this incident, then who am I to say no? But at the same time, I kind of think, I don't know if that would be a good way to go. Like, What do you think? If you all of a sudden were watching Raw in the upcoming weeks and, and Punker Ziggler promo about putting Lawler down, what would you think? Um, well, at the end of the day, it, it is you're, like you said. It, it, if he gives the green light, then they're then they're going to do it. I mean, you know, it hasn't stopped them in before before using you know stuff that had taken place you know outside of wrestling or in in real life, like Eddie Guerrero's passing. They use that in multiple storylines involving Rey Mysterio over the years. Um, and uh, Eddie had died of a heart attack. Granted, it did not happen in the arena. He had passed away in a hotel room uh, the night before. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's caseless, um, personally. Um, I, I, I think the difference between that and other real life situations is that that took place on live television in front of thousands of people, and and everyone had knowledge of what took place. And the man almost died literally in, in an arena 
with filled with thousands of people. Um, you know, you, we mentioned his mother, uh, the, the situation with his mother. His mother, obviously not involved in the wrestling business, passed away in her home. Um, and they they used that. And like you said, Jerry gave the green light on that one. Um, I don't know, I mean, if he would allow that. Um, I mean, I can't speak for him, obviously. I don't know the man personally. I wouldn't do it personally. But if they were to go that route and if Waller were to say, hey, listen, you know, you can bring it up, you can use it. If it's, if it's going to, you know, help you guys out with ratings or, you know, advancing or, you know, storyline or, you know, putting somebody over, the only way to save that and make it seem, make it, you know, make it not so tasteless is if Lawler was obviously the main focal point of a storyline and the and the outcome of that storyline were to be that Jerry Lawler came back from a heart attack into the ring and, you know, he won the Royal Rumble or he won the WWE Championship or the World Heavyweight title. There would have to be a really good ending with a feel-good story to to come out of this, you know. If they're just going to use it and it's only going to go for a week or two to, you know, it put some heat on somebody – then that then that's classless in my opinion. It's got to be something where the payoff at the end is going to be so huge that like it's going to move people. It's going to move the audience. You know that, that I would have to sit at home or in an arena with tears down my eyes to see something like that. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about the situation. That's a good point. I mean, I, and I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, it's tough. Like you're saying, if Lawler gives the go ahead, then who am I to judge? It's it's health. It's his. It's his own life storyline, so if he decided to go that route, um, so get. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. If, if someone came out, it would almost have to be, uh, you know, planned out the night that Lawler. It almost like it, you know, there's, there's, look, there's all sorts of rumors out there, and we try not to, you know, we're really trying at this show to report uh, fact. You know, we were really reporting stuff that we were hearing from WWE.com because there was some stuff in the dirt sheets that we weren't sure was true. But there are stuff you're hearing that uh, Lawler may, in fact, be cleared to wrestle uh, at some point. I, you know, I, I know if he gets back in the ring, I mean, I'm going to be sitting there like, you know, edge of my seat and not in a wrestling storyline in a kind of a real-life uh Way, but uh, you know, yeah, I think if they were to use this in a story, it should almost be like same night that uh, you know, a Ziggler comes down and promos that he, you know, he put Lawler out, and then Lawler's music hits, and and Lawler, you know, says you're not going to put me down that easily, and you know, he's been cleared to wrestle, so they actually have a match that night, and uh. Personally, I mean, look, he's 62, and it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing what he does. Uh, it's amazing that he still can get in the ring. And to be honest with you, you know, he does not look horrible in the ring. He still does what he does. And, and I, I never watched Lawler in a match and said Lawler's embarrassing himself. Um, I thought his match against Michael Cole was kind of an embarrassment in and of the whole collective. But I don't think that Lawler's ever really embarrassed himself in the ring. He performs well. Um, I'd like to see him you know, retire. Um, and, and that might be only for me and being selfish, because I I hated what I went through emotionally, being selfish as a fan, watching that on Monday night. Um, and 
like Tilar have that definitive going out on his own term kind of send off. Like for him to come out and say this this is my last match. And for him to win that match and, and for that to be for him. Uh, that's that's something I would like to see uh out of him for a you know a definitive classy uh bye uh from in ring competition, which is um you know, he's a guy who deserves that. Uh he's you know he never was that huge star uh you know, as far as the WWF slash E. Um, but um, a monster, just a, a ginormous name in, in the wrestling world. A guy who, uh, you know, I would love to see him have his moment where he just, you know, he just can go out and in, into the sunset and say, this is my last match and, and I'm done. And, and that, that's what I'd like to see out of him. So I agree with you. Uh, the storyline using it is, uh, I, I don't know if I'd really want to see it, uh, and it had to be. It would have to be used in, in, in the right way. But ultimately, I guess it would be Lawler's decision. Um, you know what? Tonight, again, as we continue to try and transition into a little lighter, uh, we're in a night of champions evening. Uh, we got some guests lined up for you tonight. It's going to be a crazy show. Uh, got some indie guys. Uh, NWA's got a big show coming up uh, this Tuesday out in Maine. A big-time grudge match between uh, Brian Fury and Makua. Uh, we are fortunate to have uh, both of those guys on the show tonight. And, uh, uh, Dave, you watch Impact uh, next week. Gut check. Uh, got a guy who's going to Brian Fury's school. So uh, we could talk to Brian Fury a little bit about that. Yeah. No, I've... Uh, I've, I've uh... I've had the pleasure, like I said, like last week, uh, you know, of uh, you know, interacting with uh, Dave Cole in the past. Brian Fury also has done has done some work in uh, Assault Championship Wrestling and Defiant Pro Wrestling, the two organizations that I worked for briefly. And uh, Brian's a hell of a talent in the ring. Brian, to my knowledge, Brian was doing the straight edge gimmick. Brian Fury was doing the straight edge gimmick before CM Punk was, at least as far as I know. Um, if it was a gimmick or if it's if it's truth, I believe it. I believe there is a, there is a truth to to his character to that character at one time. Um, hell of a talent in the ring. I've always felt he could be a guy that you know eventually could make it to a TNA or to a WWE, and uh, a hell of a hand in the ring. And uh, I've always enjoyed watching his matches. I look forward to what um, him and Makua have planned, um, you know, for uh, for for Tuesday night. And uh, you know it's gonna gonna be good to have him on. Yeah, you know what? And since since we are some guest champions, why don't we just we're gonna run right out to the phones? So first off, uh, we got Tony on. Tony, are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. How are you doing, guys? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so yeah, you um the 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 guy who's gonna be on the gut check next week is what's uh you seen him before? No, the guy on the gut check. No, I have not. The guy who's on gut check currently, um, he um, he he goes to uh, Killer Kowalski's wrestling school, where uh, Brian Fury, the uh, NWA on Fire champion, is one of uh, the trainers there. So I don't know the guy who's featured in the gut check, but I okay. do know uh, oh, the guy uh, who said Brian he was like Fury. a the eighteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 he's a young kid. Pop. What's that? 
Evan Markopoulos, yeah, and he goes to yeah, Brian Ferry School. Yeah. So we're saying he, so he trained at this school uh, um, that you know about. You know about you know the guy is or whatever. Yeah, Brian Fury trains at uh, his trainer and owner at a uh, New England Pro Wrestling Academy. And, uh, oh, I thought I thought it was Killer Kowalski. I apologize. Um, but look at if you watch TNA uh, uh, Impact this past week. Uh, there's a shot where there's a guy outside the ring who uh, looks like he's giving instructions, and that's Brian Fury. So uh, oh, Brian okay. Fury is getting a tryout on gut check. So, um, yeah. Anyway, night of champions. What are you looking forward to tonight? Uh, probably from the um, purpose Cena Punk. You know, since you know they always have good matches together in the you know in the ring. I mean, you know, the um, story's been kind of. Whatever you know, hit and miss. You know, because like I said, uh, I, I did I did like seeing his promo at the end of the show. It, you know, um, I thought that like that you know the the like you know everyone said before you know that the intense Cena is is the kind of is the you know is the um, more believable one is, is the one that you can get behind. You know, because I yeah I, mean, I, I, I could I couldn't agree really with awesome. you more, Tony. I mean, considering what happened on Monday night, and I had to go back and watch again because it was tough for me to pay attention to any. Thing, but I thought Punk and, and Cena were both great at the end of the show, and uh, and I thought Cena was was amazing. Which and we've talked about here, you know, Cena's the guy. You know it. Cena's the focal point of the company and garners a lot of criticism because of that. But when Cena's challenged, when when push comes to shove, and Cena has to step up the plate. He generally does, and I agree with you. I, I thought he gave a killer promo at the end of Raw, considering. I, again, I had to go back and watch. I really yeah. didn't enjoy it that night uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, if I can even talk about that, too. You know, I mean, I'm I kind of okay. I felt the, the same way, you know, with when uh, Jerry Lawley and I was like, I didn't even know what happened at first during the, during the match. And they went to Michael Cole, and I see that the King wasn't sitting there. I'm like, well, what happened? I thought they were doing some kind of... I thought it was an angle, and then when Michael Cole said this isn't part of the show, I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, oh god! <laughs> so you know, I was, so you know, I mean, thank God, you know, King is going to make it, you know. So it's, you know, it's going to be, uh, but uh, I mean, and, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad he's going to make it. So, but, you know, but like I said, if I were WWE, I don't know if I'd make a storyline. I don't know if I'd make a storyline out of that because I mean, you know, it's like when, um, like you mentioned, when you know, when Eddie Guerrero passed away, they did that, and you know, that was just like. What are they doing here? You know, it's like what is Vince thinking? You know, me like making a making a storyline out of a real death. You know, I just I just you know I just thought was, you know so I mean it, it, if I were there, my you know I was like I don't I don't know I, I really wouldn't make a storyline out of it. I mean I didn't even I didn't even, it was even kind of uncomfortable when they did the whole thing with uh, Michael Cole being the heel after his mother passed away. I I just thought that whole thing was kind of bad taste. God. Yeah, and I, I I can't I can't argue with that to be honest. I mean, it's 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 a tough call. I I just, you know, and and I, I know it's an odd thing for for me to bring up, um, but I honestly after I was okay. One of the first things I thought of because they used his mom passing away that would Lawl actually, you know, say hey, you know, let's use this now. We can we can do something with this and, uh, um. Yeah, honestly, look, it's Lawler, and Lawler ultimately decides. It, it's his situation. It happened to him. 
if he gives the go-ahead, then more respect to him. However, as a fan, I don't know if I could actually watch that and enjoy it. I wouldn't rip on it because I believe that ultimately it would be Lord's decision, but I don't know. As a wrestling fan, it would be something I want to watch and enjoy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. What? Yeah, so. Yeah. I. I Is there anything else? You'll I would make. Sure. What else? Looking forward to tonight. Uh, on the night of champions, I don't know. Um, Orton and uh, Ziggler might be, uh, could be good. I don't know. The, 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 Orton's promo on SmackDown. He was like, he was kind of hinting that the world title match is going to happen before theirs because he was saying it was like, oh, Dolph Ziggler might cash in, and then later on I could beat him for the belt. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Um, it, uh, the match could be good. I just hope they don't have Dolph lose. Yeah, because um, you know, because you know, it's like the guy's got the money in the bank briefcase, and you know, it's like they, have, they you know, it's, it's like I don't know. I've said it before. You know, it's like guys like him and you know all the young guys, you know, the younger guys. It's just like um, they they don't push them right, and then when they want the then when they want them to get over, the fans don't get behind them, and then it's like. <laughs> Tell them real, you know, it's like they told us, hey, this guy doesn't matter, and then it's like it's it's, it's really, you know, it's the way the way it's they it's run that. It's a good, it's, it's a good point. I mean, you, you really want to see, you want to see a Ziggler win here. Like Ziggler has to come out of this match looking strong. So if he if he loses via DQ and and he, you know he really you know f's up Orton, then that's that works. But uh, you know you. Can't have Ziggler coming out of this looking weak because I mean, very good point. I mean, you need to have him. You need to build Ziggler in a way that you know, legitimately, it's realistic him to beat the Ortons and the Sheamuses and even the Cenas and the Punk World. You need you need to make it legit that he can beat these guys. And on the pay per view on Night of Champions, a big pay per view match for Ziggler. To me, he has to come out of this looking strong. So, you know, I don't need, and I don't need Zig to win, and as he's celebrating, get an RKO. Like to me, Ziggler has to go out night looking strong. I don't need that. Or can survive a loss. Or can survive looking weak yeah. to Ziggler. Right. He can live with that. That's fine. It's not going to kill his character. Um, Ziggler. Tonight, and I thought they'd done a. I, I'm curious what you think, Tony. I think they've done a good job making him look stronger, but tonight is pivotal in, in his character. And with uh, Dolph, you mean? Yeah, with Dolph. The, I mean, I think they built him well. Uh, I think tonight is is really important as far as really building up his character, and making him strong. Well, yeah, they. they I mean, if they're smart, though, you know, they do it right. They should definitely have him get like a, you know, you know, clean win over, uh, you know, over Orton. Like you said, you know, Orton's the Orton's the main guy, you know, so him losing isn't going to hurt him. Um, so you know, like I said, if you have him, you have him beat Randy Orton, and I mean, I don't know if they'll have him cash in the money in the bank later on in the night or whatever. But it's just like you know, it's like if you have him get like, if you have him get the, you know, like the decisive win over Orton. And then he comes in and catches in and wins the title. I mean, I, I don't know if that would make you know. That could, I mean, I I think you could make him. Uh, it could make him look look stronger. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for giving us a call. You guys don't know? Be sure to check out the Show dot com. Tony is our guest blogger. He blogs for Raw, 
SmackDown in Impact, giving us the best insight in the business. Tony, always a pleasure to talk to you next week. Yep, I'll be there. All right, how you doing? Either guy. And there you go, Tony, looking forward to Night of Champions. And we're going to go right back out to the phones because at this time we have Makua on the line. Makua, how are you doing tonight? What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, you know, you got a big match coming up uh, this Tuesday. Um, give us a little bit of a rundown of your history with, with uh, Mr. Fury, because uh, it seems uh, listen, like uh, Fury, like Fury seems to not have deserve, the A guy like Fury does not deserve a mister ahead of his name, all right? Because there's no mister, there's nothing nice about this guy, all right? Brian Fury and I have known each other for probably the good part of 10 years. And we've been working together at NWA on Fire for a couple of years now. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not been fun. He's a jerk, he's disrespectful, and he doesn't know how to treat people. And I'm sick of the way he treats people, I'm sick of the way he talks to people, and I'm sick of the way he walks around the locker room like he owns it. Guess what, Fury? You don't own it. So this week, on Tuesday, when Brian Fury steps in the ring with me, I'm going to handle business. All right? Yes, the title is on the line. Yes, I want that belt, but it's more about the disrespect, and it's more about making sure that he knows that he's not the top guy anymore, that he knows that he's not the only guy who can run that locker room. He knows that Makua is coming for him. Let me ask you, and probably, you know, one of the, the ultimate or sense of uh, disrespect, as you're talking about uh, Brian Fury and him being disrespectful, um, he, he had shaved your head, uh Give us your thoughts on, on you know, what that, that was mean, like, what it felt like. Go ahead. I've had, I've had long hair for – I've had long hair, short hair, uh, you know, braided hair, straightened hair, whatever, mohawks. I've never had my head shaved, uh, and it was a degrading moment for me, especially because it was done in front of the fans like that. Um, you know, he took it upon himself to, to really – to do a good job of embarrassing me. I don't think he realizes what he did. I think more than anything, he he enraged me, and he, he kind of brought out uh, like a sickness, a madness inside of me that that's been willing to come out. But I've I've kind of like suppressed it because I don't need to. But he's made it so that I have to. I mean, just think about this: you have walked into the ring. You're you're in there. I at the time I was wrestling the sure thing, and I was trust me, there was nothing sure about him. I was giving him a whooping. But when I turn around and I don't see what's coming at me and I get hit with the belt and then I get chained up and when I'm kind of, you know, I wasn't completely unconscious. I was dazed and confused, if you will. And when I come to my senses and I've got this guy running clippers across my head, I don't even know what I was thinking. There was craziness inside of me. But when I realized what had happened, it was a wrap. I was embarrassed, yes. But at the end of the day, the person who's going to be paying for that is Brian Fury. Wow. Um, I think uh, Brian Fury's got his work cut out for him. I'd like to switch gears uh, just a second. I'm curious, um, who are some of your like, biggest influences uh, getting into the ring, guys you maybe years ago liked watching and guys you like watching today? Okay. Uh, I would say growing up, my, my biggest – man, you got me all fired up, and now i am got to answer these questions. Uh, 
One of, one of my biggest influences uh, growing up was probably the the Undertaker, but more more so than not was the whole uh, Samoan family because I could relate to them. Uh, I was a big fan of Yokozuna. I was a big fan of uh, Rikishi, the Head Shrinkers. Um, you know any of those guys, Ming Barbarian. Those guys just drew me in. And uh, I don't know if you, you probably don't know this or not, but back in '07, I was part of a reality show called Fat March on ABC. And on that reality show, I got to spend a month and a half with uh, Matt Anwai, who is actually the son of uh, one of the original Wild Samoans, uh, Sika. So it was like a dream come true. So with that, I was able to kind of take more information from him and gather information about them as uh, a culture, as a people, as uh, a family. And uh, during that time, you know, I got really close with him, and then I got to meet some more people in his family, people like um, Reno, who's one of their cousins who lives out in California, and Rikishi, and uh, Rikishi welcomed me to the family. So I'm more connected with, with the Samoan family, the heritage, than anything else, and that includes The Rock. Uh, these days, I'm a huge fan of watching pretty much everything. If there were uh, some people that I'd like to pick out that I say influence me now, I would probably still say it's The Rock, um, but if I'm watching them on TV, it would probably be Ziggler. Zig, Dolph Ziggler uh, works really hard when he's out there. Big fan of his work. But um, there's not one particular guy that, that did it for me. How important, uh, culturally speaking, and it's interesting, you know, as, as a fan outside the culture, um, you know, in Samoan culture, how important is, is pro wrestling? Because it seems to permeate uh, uh, the Samoan culture. You know what it is, is that it's a very small island and there's not a lot to do and they're big people. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that Samoan people or, or Polynesian people in particular are very, uh, like, happy people, but the moment you piss them off, it's a wrap. You, you don't have a chance to fix the wrong that you've done. Uh, so it's very natural. Um, they're warriors. That's what their culture is. That's what we do. You know, you're warriors. So that's you go out there and you fight. You fight for a living, you fight for your family, and you fight for food. It's just how it is. So it's it's just natural. It's like reading warriors, you know? That's very cool. Uh, you know, and thanks for being a you know, that being said, that you guys, you know, you're warriors and you come from your culture. Brian Fury is probably listening. So if you've got one thing you'd like to say, I'm going to give you the money. Go off. You tell Brian exactly what you want to tell him. Brian, you've spit on me. You've shaved my head. You've attacked me from behind. You've been disrespectful from the moment you realized that I wanted a shot at that belt. That disrespect is not disrespect. It's fear, and you're trying to get rid of me. But guess what? I'm not going anywhere. This Tuesday at Farmington Fair, it's me and you, and it's one-on-one for that belt. The last time we met was in a tag team match. You had your buddy there, uh, you had your buddy on your side, and I had my, my tag partner on our side, and it just so happened that we didn't get an opportunity to get in the ring. This time, there's no one else. It's me and you, and trust me, you're getting an ass whooping. That belt's coming home with me. You're going home in the stretcher. Remember that? Remember you said I was going to be the one going on a stretcher? It's going to be you, brother. Uh, it's good stuff, and... Uh... Yeah, Brian obviously has a lot to worry about. Uh, I'd love to get you back on, especially the aftermatch, uh, see how things go. Thanks a lot for giving us a call in, McCoy. 
Dude, I appreciate it, man. I, I'll be more than happy to talk to you after it's all said. Very cool. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care, brother. Not a happy man, is he, Dave? No, he's uh, he's uh, hell bent on, uh, on on putting Brian Fury out for, uh, for possibly for good. So uh, you know, let's hear what Brian Fury has to say. But I think we're in for a barn burner come Tuesday night. You know, it's funny. I you know watching this and, and I mean, everyone knows that I've made it a secret. I'm part of the NWA on fire. I'm part of the commenting team. So trying not to be biased, so to speak, but the build has occurred between Brian Fury and Makoa. It's got this real cool, old-school rivalry, grudge match kind of feel to it. Um, you know, I want to go on uh, nwafire.com. They, they have a video montage of the history between these guys. I know a lot of people listening are, are WWE, TNA. People, and I get that. I, I know that. Uh, you know, Dave and I have talked about it. Like, we have trouble getting into ROH because it's purely on the computer. So, you know, we, we empathize. Um, so we edited stuff. We have these indie guests. You don't necessarily know uh, what's going on. But go go check out the website. Go check out nwonfire.com uh, to see what's building uh, in this match. Uh, really cool build. Uh, old school grudge match kind of feel. You know, when you talk to Makua, and this is for the Way on Fire Heavyweight Championship. I don't think he cares at all about the belt. I shouldn't say at all, but I think really Makua's priority is just kicking the hell out of Brian Fury. If he gets the upper hand physically and just beats the holy hell out of Brian Fury, winds up not walking away with the belt, I think Makua's going to think that was a success. I truly think he just wants to finally get his hands on Brian Fury one-on-one. You know, I try to conduct the interview in a respectful manner. I say Mr. Fury, and immediately it's he doesn't deserve Mr. in front of his name. So, uh, you know, no love lost between these two, and I think there's really going to be a, a quite a battle come uh, this Tuesday. Uh, and, if you, and if you need some history, check out the NWA Unfair.com, and we're going to go right back out to the phones. Carl, are you there? Hey, what's up, guys? Ken and Dave, it's Mike Ferrar. How are you? How are you doing, Mike? Good to hear from you. Uh, a little, I've been a little sick, um, but I'm getting better. Well, I hope you feel better. Is it a sniffly, sneezy, or stomachy, achy kind of thing? No, it's a, it's a, like a, uh, what do you call, almost like turn, something turning into bronchitis, but I caught it in time. Well, I'm glad you caught it in time. Uh, you know, you managed to go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm still here, brother. Fine. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you, Dave. How how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, my friend. I'm doing good. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not sick like you, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm hanging there. I hear you. Um, what do you call this? That this sickness kind of came very um, very sudden sudden, but I caught it in in time. But um, tonight I want to talk about Jerry Lawler. Go right ahead. Okay. Go for it. I was giving you guys a chance to say. Okay, um, Jerry, when I saw when I watched Raw, I didn't. I watched it for the replay as well. But when I watched Raw, I I could remember seeing telling myself there was a point in time when I saw him go to the camera and he kind of like 
put his hand on his chest like I guess he thought he was coughing. Um, that's I noticed that, and also his coloring didn't look pretty, pretty good at one point. But I'm very happy that Jerry the King Lawler is okay, and I've been posting on my Facebook all the stuff about Jerry Lawler and get well, Jerry, because Jerry Lawler is a big influence in wrestling. A lot of wrestling fans that don't know this, you know, Hulk Hogan wrestled for him in Memphis. Uh, Macho Man wrestled for him in Memphis. Um, what do you call Undertaker wrestled for him in Memphis. A lot, you know, The Rock wrestled in, in, in Memphis. So, Jerry the King Warren, my friend, I'm so glad that you're all right. Yeah, Hello? all of us are, you know, wishing Jerry all the best. Uh, again, it's... it's uh, it just felt so good, like... You know, as the week progressed, like just getting news each yeah. and every day, where you just you're expecting to hear the worst. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you're you're wishing him well. Uh, what do you are you, you gonna watch the pay per view tonight? What are you looking for tonight? Uh, I want here's what I here's I'm not gonna be able to watch it because I don't have the funds. But you know what? That's cool for me. Um, here's what I here's what I I think's gonna happen or I want to happen. I think Dolph Ziggler. Um, is going to come out big because they can't make him look weak right now. He's he's too much. He's going to look strong. Dolph Ziggler's coming up, and he's going to he's going to surprise everybody. Um, I think that Daniel Bryan and Kane are going to be the next world champions. Wow, that's, that's, that's a pretty bold pick. Uh, you know, that's what I think. I kind of like that. What do you think, Dave? For the tag team. Yeah, what do you oh, think yeah. of that pick? Um, I mean, it's good for the short term for these two. Um, I know we spoke about it on the thread how this could help the tag team division. I think it totally – I mean, as long as they're defending the belts on a semi-regular basis and they're not just you facilitate their anger management storyline, because, I mean, they, WWE in the past couple of months have done a really good job of, you know, making tag team wrestling seem important with, you know – the primetime players, Epico and Primo, the Usos. Now they've introduced Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd as a team. And I thought, you know, they did all that. And eventually it was going to lead to something at Night of Champions. And then they put that off to the side and put Daniel Bryan and Kane together to get a tag match for, you know, a title shot. And I just thought it kind of defeated the purpose, you know. Granted, the tag team division does need some super team to help but I don't think necessarily right now between Daniel Bryan and Kane that attack. I mean, all signs point to them winning the belt tonight eventually. I mean, you know, and they're going to be an odd couple tag team. But how many times can you do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like let's 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 push yeah. the tag teams that you currently have now. I think <laughs> I think it defeated the purpose of what we had going on <laughs> for several months. So yeah. Oh, sorry. We'll guys. see what happens tonight. <laughs> they use them to put over some. They could use Kane and, and Brian put over uh, another team, which at least, look, right now, to me, the, arguably, uh, you know, it's one of the best storylines going in wrestling, the anger management. Now, I know it's comic relief, but it's entertaining. And, and that being said, you know, it will put the spotlight because people want to see, well, what's Kane and uh, Daniel Bryan going to do? So it will kind of throw the spotlight. It will throw the attention on the tag division. Now, the thing is, you got to do it the right way because you can't throw the attention on the tag division but then have this team make every other tag team look weak. So there's a there's a way to do it correctly 
But with Kane and Daniel Bryan winning the tag belts, it definitely shines spotlight on that division. Yeah, but that I think in the I think Dave, I was actually I think in the short term, it's going to help their feud, and and people are going to be like, I can't believe these two are getting along. I mean, we have seen it before with Stone Cold and Dude Love, and and all these crazy tag teams. You guys are absolutely um, right, uh, Dave. I agree with you on what you said for the long term, but I'm just thinking about it for the short term and it, and how it helps the feud. And anyway, and to me, it mocks the question, who's the craziest? I go with Kane. I mean, hey, you know, I go with Kane. But, um... Might very well be. Mike, you know, sorry. thanks here's, for supporting us. Here's one thing before thanks you, for, you uh, before coming you let along. Me go, I, oh, sorry. I was going to say, before you let yeah. me go, I know you got, got calls and stuff. When Before, when you posed the question about doing the longer thing, you know, like coming out with a real-life true storyline, um, in WCW... Buff Bagwell had broken his neck, and they did that angle, and they fooled—I mean, they fooled everybody a hundred times. I don't think they should ever uh, do that with the heart attack. Maybe it worked for Buff Bagwell in the NWO and scaring Bobby Heenan, but I don't think it works. But thank you very much, guys. Uh, I'll speak to you next week. Excellent points. Thanks for calling, and feel better, dude. Thank you very much, guys. Looking forward to it, brother. And- we have money, you know what, like, as we're, we're running along here, uh, you know, on the line, uh, you never know what he's going to say. He can come to left field, right field, or he could be playing baseball and then throw a 50-yard touchdown. But here we go on the line right now. We have the one, the only, Bob Arian. Mr. Arian, how are you tonight? How are you doing, guys? What's going on? Hey, Bob. What's up? Listen, uh, I was just calling to give you guys, I know you got a tight schedule tonight, but I just wanted to bring the VWO uh, fans and you guys up to speed of what happened last night at the Uprising show. Uh, you guys know I had my tailgate party, and they pulled a lot of crap on us, and I'm going to be real quick and bullet form and tell you exactly what happened. The DOD did all it could to stop us last night. They gave us a court order at 2 p.m. that we were not to tailgate, in the parking lot or near the building because we had no license to serve cooked food. So that wasn't a problem. We just decided we're still going. We promised a tailgate party. We're going to give the fans a tailgate party. So we brought water and chips. Okay, not your true tailgate party, but we lived up to our word that we were going to have a party in the parking lot. We gave every single fan water and chips so they would not buy anything in the venue, take money out of Glen Orange's pocket. DLD also had motorcycle thugs in the parking lot trying to intimidate fans, trying to intimidate us. Uh, they just didn't want us there. When they saw that wasn't working, Glenn Ulrich, Tristan Law, they come out of the locker room alone. I found that a little odd. They didn't have the posse of nitwits with them. I'm starting to see that as some weakness there. I don't know what's going on with that, but I, I think they're falling apart. They tell us, leave the parking lot. We're not welcome. Well, the fans come to our defense and basically, they see they're outnumbered. They have a small security staff with them, and they basically ran back to the locker room, the cowards that they are. We let all the fans go in. We made sure everybody had water, chips, whatever they needed. Everybody really treated us well. We go in to buy tickets. We stopped at the door. We told by security that building management and BWO management does not want us in the building because we violated the restraining order. Now, this is how stupid they are. We did not violate the restraining order. We did not give out cooked food. We didn't cook food. So how are we in violation of the restraining order? 
So I basically was about to lose it. Section 8 came up and basically said, calm down, guys, hope for a ride, whatever. So me and Steve, we headed out. You know, we got a bite to eat. I had a couple of beers. And about an hour later, Section 8 called us. It said basically he came to a legal agreement with his lawyers and Glenn Ulrich, and Section 8 was rehired. And he said, get to the building right now. Steve has a match. Steve's going for the BWO heavyweight title. And I'm going to give Steve a chance to talk about what this Tristan Law pulled last night. So I'm going to pass the phone to Steve right now. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Steve, how you doing? What's up, Steve? Very good, very good. Enjoying the show so far. I'm really liking what you guys have to offer, you know, as always. And uh, especially the sign guy calling in. Love that guy. But <laughs> as far as Tristan Law, uh, I, I know, Ken, you and him are tight, but um, try to be objective when you hear what I'm about to tell you. A man isn't measured just by wins and losses. He's, he's measured by the legacy he leaves behind when he leaves this world. In Tristan Law... I would never wish any harm on anyone, but God forbid anything did happen to that man today. The legacy he would leave behind would be tarnished by the cowardly actions he took to save his championship. Now, if he could beat me straight up, I'd take that like a man. I'd regroup. I'd train harder than ever before, and I'd still come back and take the belt off him. But, see, it's not, not quite that simple. I hit him with lights off, and I give him credit. He kicked out, and nobody does that. He hit me with his choke bomb. Damn near gave me a concussion, but I kicked out and I came back for more. It came to a point where I had him locked in the middle of the ring in the cripple across face. He had no choice but to submit, but before he did, he made sure he pie-faced the referee, raked his eyes, and, and basically saved his championship via disqualification. And we've seen, quote-unquote, heel bad guy champions do that in the past. And You know, I'm, I'm really tired of things like that happening when I face this man. Last time it was a hook of the trunks. And he has to live with himself. He has to look in the mirror. Until he can beat me, and it ain't going to happen, he needs to look himself in the mirror and know that he's nothing more than second best. And that championship is one of the most prestigious championships, the BWO World Heavyweight Championship, and all of independent wrestling. And I assure you, Paul Farney, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, that championship will wind up back on the dark side of Hollywood. Well, Steve, it sounds like you had your hands full, but Tristan Law didn't exactly, uh, you know, uh, uh, come to uh, come to play fair last night. Um, now, no. Bob mentioned earlier that um, Section Eight had come to a legal agreement with his attorney and with Glenn Ulrich, and you got yourself a title shot. Now, are you are you and Bob and Section Eight are you all back officially on the BWO roster? I believe that is safe to say that we are back to stay. Okay. All right. Now, mm -hmm. going from here, after what took place last night, where is there possibilities of another title shot in line for you, and uh, when would that possibly take place? Well, I can't guarantee that, but with Section 8 back in power and the fact that even though I didn't win the championship, I did win the match. I beat the world champion. I would say a rematch is not too far off. I don't have the details yet. Possibly October 20th at BWO Bad Blood, also at the Elmer Park American Legion, as we are the third Saturday of every month. I mean, I, I would uh, speculate that I will probably get my rematch there, but I haven't got it in writing yet, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll see on that. I'll definitely keep everyone updated at Steve Off on Twitter, facebook.com slash Steve Off. Stay tuned.
Now, it sounds like to me that after what took place last night with um, the the, uh, the the foul play for Tristan Law uh, towards the referee, um, that if a rematch does take place, that there's going to have to be a definitive winner. Um, yeah. What kind of match would you envision having with, with, with Tristan Law where – you know, you know that there's going to be a definitive winner. What kind of match would you like to have with him that you know you that you definitely know that you can come out on top and win? Well, I think I can win any match with him, but the thing he pulled with the referee is really not much I could do about that. So I would say something like maybe a submission match, no disqualification, calls count anywhere, anything along those lines. I mean, he's a tough competitor. He really brought the fight to me. I'll give him credit for that. But he was not the better man. There's no shame in being second best, and that's exactly what he is. He's very, very good. I'm just that much better. So the fans are chanting for a no disqualification match. Maybe, maybe they'll get what they want. That sounds good. That sounds good. What are your, um, what are your thoughts that took place on last night between uh, Preacher and uh, Glenn Ulrich? Well, I mean, Glenn Ulrich came out with Joey the Bull with him. I mean, that was just, I mean, that that was very cowardly. I mean, I, I'm complaining about what Tristan did in that. Just that just pulls the trump card in anything. You know, he's clearly afraid to fight Preacher or anyone else one-on-one. And eventually, I'm sure he's going to have to. And when that day comes, I'm probably going to laugh my ass off because, well, Preacher's going to kick his head off. Sounds good. Sounds good. Always a pleasure to have you, Steve, on as well as Bob. You know, thank Bob for me. Um, we'll do. Check out Steve Off on Twitter, at Steve Off, or you can check him out on The Gun Show. Uh, YouTube mm-hmm. slash Steve off. Steve, thank you very much for coming on today, and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Awesome, man. Thanks. And this Tuesday, NWA on Fire in Maine. If you're in the area, come check it out. I'll be there. Awesome. That'd be great to it'd be great to see you in the NWA again, Steve. Once again, thank you. Awesome, guys. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you, brother. Wow. So there's definitely a lot of bad blood going on uh, right there. Between uh, one uh, Steve Off and, and Tristan Law, uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on in uh, that old BWO Body Slam Wrestling Organization. So be sure to check him out. And, uh, you know, Steve's going to be at the main show, the, the big uh, show that's featuring uh, Brian Fury versus Makua. Steve Off will be there also. And, uh, oh, let me plug it. But yeah, you know, always check out the gun show. It's. It's a fun little thing. It's a good time. You know, there are worse things on YouTube you can sit through, obviously, and I'm sure we all have. <laughs> yeah, we're all guilty of it at some point. Exactly. It's, I can't you – know, how did we ever live without YouTube? And, you know, let me ask you, Davis. I know we're up against the break, so – but as a wrestling fan – as someone who, like, you know, every so often you might just want to watch a classic, how great is YouTube? Oh, YouTube's awesome. I mean, I, I don't personally, I don't go on YouTube a whole lot um, unless there's something that, you know, I absolutely need to see. Um, I do I do own a lot of wrestling footage. Um, I got, you know, videotapes that are, you know, onion skin thin that I've watched to, you know, so many, you know, old matches and pay-per-views and um so, I mean, granted, I don't own a VCR anymore, so if there is something that I want to watch that I have on VHS that I don't have on DVD, um, 
I will check out YouTube. Um, it, but it, it does. It, it definitely is. Uh, it's great to uh, you know to to use that format. I, I just like because I mean I, I have a lot of stuff too, but the the accessibility of just being able to you know mentions a match and you you don't remember a spot or something, you could just like you know type in the search bar. Hey, you know you want to go? You know Rick Flair versus Ricky Steamboat and like. A, of matches like pop up and you just you know pick one and it's all going to be great i mean it's awesome for a wrestling fan uh, youtube is just the best anyway uh we've reached the waypoint in the show and you know what it's time for day take it away this is the annual day five report here on the ken reedy show the top five stories in the week in professional wrestling top story this week comes from my home state of connecticut and former WWE diva and 2011 WWE Hall of Famer, Tammy Sunny Sitch. Did I get that right, Ken? Anyway. That's how I did 2011 Hall of Famer. Oh, okay. All right, I got you. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll have to ask some of the people from Hamlet Park, New Jersey, if I got it right. But anyhow, she was arrested three times in three days this past <laughs> week. The charges against Sitch consist of disorderly conduct, aggravated assault and strangulation, and violation of a restraining order filed by her boyfriend. More news from an unnamed source in the local authorities revealed to the Ken Reedy Show. The infidelity on Sitch's boyfriend's part was the apparent cause of these recent string of events and arrests. Sitch has apparently checked herself into a WWE-sponsored rehab later this week. Boston Open Radio. And, and that would be 2011 Hall of Famer, Sonny. Oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, our second story this week, Boston Open Radio broke the news that this week, former WCW and WWE superstar The Total Package, Wolf Luger, will induct Sting into the TNA Hall of Fame during the Bound for Glory weekend. No surprise on this announcement, as Luger and Sting have had a long-time friendship through the years. The induction ceremony will take place the night before, bound for glory. Some more TNA news. At last night's TNA house show, supposed former TNA star, The Blueprint, Matt Morgan, made a surprise appearance coming through the crowd and laying out Robbie E. For the past several months, Morgan's wrestling whereabouts have been unknown, with Morgan himself posting cryptic cryptic messages on his Twitter account of a possible return to the WWE. After last night's string of events, all signs point to him staying with TNA. However, no official word as if Morgan has signed with TNA again. Breaking news as of this morning, PWInsider.com reports that it is rumored that both Jim Ross and John Bradshaw Layfield are set to appear at tonight's WWE United Champions pay-per-view and the commentary table replacing the ailing Jerry Lawler. It's now being reported that WWE will have JBL commentate on Raw tomorrow night and are looking to keep him in a commentator's position for the foreseeable future. Plans have been known to change, but we should find out tonight where WWE goes from here. And then our final story this week, somewhat of a follow-up story to last week, Hulk Hogan was asked on Twitter about, about the reasons behind former TNA star Devon's status with the company since he parted ways with TNA. Hogan replied by saying, I asked Dixie, we're working on it. 
Clementine and I hope to see Devon back sooner rather than later. And you heard Steve Arth and Bob Arian earlier on. Now you can watch them on YouTube. It's called The Gun Show. They have a fun little show that they do, some hijinks. Check it out, YouTube slash Steve Arth. Ken, back to you, brother. Good stuff, and thanks, Dave. And just to let you guys know, and, and things are breaking, you know, all the time. Uh, according to Twitter, Jed Waller uh, tweeted recently, uh, about 47 minutes ago, sorry, I can't be at Night of Champions tonight, but I understand JBL will be taking my place. I wish him the best of luck. Also want to thank the thousands of fans and friends for the pouring of love for me. I love the WWE Universe. So Jerry Lawler telling us that uh, JBL is going to be at the commentary table uh, this evening for the pay-per-view. Again, you know, just hearing the tweets from Lawler, is just, it, it, it warms my heart just hearing him, like, talking and stuff. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's great. So uh, it looks like JBL, according to Jerry Lawler on Twitter, that uh, JBL will be stepping into... Uh, broadcasting booth, uh, which is cool. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad. I mean, I am here in Boston right now, so I will not hear uh, the commentary. But uh, always like JBL. Your thoughts on JBL stepping in, Dave? Oh, I like it. I mean, JBL was a breath of fresh air when he came onto the commentary uh, position years back. Uh, him and Michael Cole worked really well. A lot of people give Michael Cole crap, saying he sucks, he's terrible. Obviously, Jim Ross set the bar way too high for Michael Cole to ever. Exceed it, uh, but when Michael Cole was with J- with uh, JBL, they, they they were a good two man team, and I really enjoyed listening to them when they were on SmackDown years ago. Um, but you know, Ken, you said you couldn't listen to it. That's not entirely true, because if you go to WWE events, um, you know, live events, they sell headphones for I think it's for fifteen dollars. You can actually listen to the commentary in these headphones while you are at the event, so you can get the best of both worlds, in a sense. So you might want to check that out. Wow. You should you should actually do, like, we, we the community really needs to hire us. We didn't even do that. That's like a perfect live read for commercial. Gee whiz, I'm upset. I will be able to listen to the commentary. Well, Ken, guess what? For $15, that's a commercial right there. I know. I should start oh. selling those ShamWows, too, while I'm at it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny that you said that because I would never in a million years, like, you know, going to a live event, chill out 15 minutes for headphones. Uh, tonight would be one of the few exceptions to that rule. Um, I'm curious what the commentary is going to be like. I'm curious where the chemistry is going to be. Um, I, I kind of think, and this is me just spitballing here, that uh, there's going to be a lot less of. Michael Cole character, uh, so to speak. I mean, I would guess when when he comes out tonight um, that he's going to get a huge pop. Um, and less than a week after what happened, uh, it's going to be weird for. I don't think Michael Cole can be a dick. It just doesn't work right now, and I don't think BL can really rip on him. So uh, the commentary should be at least. Me predicting, I'm thinking it would be somewhat even keeled and not less of calling the action. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. I mean, I, I read a report, the, the SmackDown tape, because on Tuesday in Ottawa, Michael Cole got there was no booze. He didn't get any. He didn't get any heat. He came out to a, a warm reception from the audience. Um, so I mean, you know, it's it, it's interesting how you know art imitates life. But I think this would be a good way to transition out of the heel Michael Cole character and just have him be a impartial, unbiased uh, you know commentator and go back to that. I think the the, the heel thing has run its course and. You know, it's kind of annoying at times. Um, you, I mean, granted, it is wrestling, but, you know, there aren't, you know, sports commentators out there in Major League Sports that, uh, you know, that, that one's a definitive good guy, one's a definitive bad guy. I mean, you have a few characters, you know. You have, you know, in football you have Tony Saragusa on the sidelines. I mean, he's a bit of a, a, a goofball, but for the most part, you know, they're, they're, it's pretty even keeled. So I, I'd kind of like to see them go back to that approach with Michael Cole. I think now is as good a time as ever um, to do that, considering the circumstances surrounding the events that took place on Monday night. I I, I agree with you more. I, I mean, I know people like to look back and say, oh, "What about you know? What about uh, Gorilla and Heenan, or you know, Gorilla and, and Jesse the Body? Um, you know, and that dynamic. I, you you gotta like when when people look back on it. They were brilliant. I mean, and taking nothing away from Michael Cole, but he will never, ever, 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 ever be a Bobby Heenan. And that's no disrespect to him. But Bobby Heenan is just on a a pedestal that just, you know, an all-time great, uh, especially as far as talking. And, uh... Gorilla was the perfect straight man for, you know, shenanigans. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. The whole situation has kind of run its course a bit. Um, it's annoying at times. And, and to be honest, uh, for me, for this wrestling fan, it's it's taken away. One of the best things that, that JR would do and, and other announcers is put over the match over new talent, put over the storyline. Um, what happened way too much with the Michael Cole heel character was he was putting over his own storyline. He was putting over his own character. Um, and took away from some of these matches. Uh, now some of these guys that really could use a, a good broadcaster to kind of beat them up a bit, uh, now they're using these... Uh, you know, lesser important matches, mid-card matches to facilitate Cole's character. And, uh, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see them back off that a bit. A- as we've talked about, and we've, look, we I have been critical uh, many times about Michael Cole, and I'm not going to, you know, lie and say, you know, I love Michael Cole. No, I, I have not liked him a lot uh, behind the mic. And, and it's interesting how, uh, jumping in and doing the NWA, like I, I got to put my money where my mouth is, and I have to step up and, and you know do something. I mean, it's it's quite a challenge for me to jump in and, and uh, do this broadcasting. Um, however, uh, you know that all being said, when he did Extreme Rules, I thought Michael Cole was amazing, not just good. Amazing. 
that match was a great match. It was violent. It was uh, intense. And Michael Cole just added that little bit that the greats are able to add. That, uh, you know, when, when, you know, when a, a mankind goes off the top of the cage and a JR, you know, he could be broken in half. Like, that match was so intense, but JR just gave it just that little bit more that was that just, you know, it needed, but just a little bit more. And, and Michael Cole was just brilliant uh, at Extreme Rules. So the talent is there. Just get muddy doing the the character and you know Dave I mean you end you know, the character now let let this let, like let's let's let wrestling fans embrace Michael Cole let's let Michael Cole show us what he's good at let's see what talent he has because I, I was amazed at Extreme Rules I really I was floored by how good he was. Being so he's a good man of his, his ability to call matches. So to me, the skill set's there. Let, let him go. Let the reins off. K-Box the character. And let's just let him go and call matches. You know, hopefully we get a Michael Cole that, that we can enjoy. Um, but kudos to him, obviously, for what he had to go through Monday night. And, uh, you know, how he, he carried himself. Uh, you know, you couldn't ask for more from him uh, from and we're going to go out to the calls because we have right now, uh, we have the champ, Tristan Law, is on the line. Tristan, are you there? Hey, Ken, how's it going? Going all right. How are you? Not too bad. You know, uh, I was trying to actually call in earlier, but at this show that I wrestled in uh, Mount Vernon, New York, the fans just wanted autographs. So it's like, you know, I just couldn't cut them loose because everybody wants to, you know, wants a piece of the law, you know. So, yeah, I tried to call in earlier, but, you know, what did I miss? Did, did Steve Bitch call him yet? It's, yeah, Steve, Steve actually called in, and uh, he kind of, uh, he's posturing, and you know, he wants some sort of uh, no DQ or, or, or something. Like, he, he definitely wants to get his hands on you. Uh, what are your thoughts on getting back in the ring with Steve off? Well, you know, my, my, my thoughts was, like, I'll start from the top. So last night at the show, you know, they had the, uh, the tailgate party. They told you that, right? Yeah, we've been brought up to speed there, buddy. Oh, look who it is. Everybody's favorite co-host. Look, why don't you be Robin and just, like, play the shadow or something? So, anyway, they had, they had the, uh, the tailgate party. We crashed it. You know, we, we found an injunction, so we didn't let him into the show. Section 8 had some kind of clause in which he was to come back because Glenn Ulrich made a deal. All right, that's the deal my friend wanted to make, so we had no problem. I went out. Basically, so what I had to say earlier tonight, issued an open challenge. A lot of the fans signed up. I turned all of them away. You know, I tried to have an easy night. You know, the champ doesn't have to fight every night. And then all of a sudden, Steve Alp comes out with uh, Bob Arian in Section 8. So basically, you know, I basically beat Steve Alp up for like a good 15 minutes. And then, you know, he tried to put me in a submission hold. But unfortunately, the ref felt that I touched him, so the ref had to throw the match out. So now Steve Alp feels that there's supposed to be some kind of DQ match because I was quitting. You know, which is totally false, because, Ken, you know me. I'm not a guy that quits. You know, I'm the champion. I don't quit at all. So, you know, next one, Steve Ross really feels not, like he deserves a rematch. And he's not getting a rematch, because I'm the champ. I do what I want. 
But so, I mean, are, are you going to step in the ring with him? You know, I might feel bad for him because, you know, every now and then, you know, great guys like me, we have to do charity work. So I, I may allow him to step into the ring with me, but it's going to be at my discretion. It all depends. We, we all got to wait to see what happens October 20th and at the American Legion in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Wow, that's uh, intense stuff. Why, uh, just uh, diverting it from that, uh, where were you today? You were wrestling uh, somewhere else today, correct? Uh, how'd that go? Yeah, who did you screw over today? Whoa, 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 whoa. You see, let me explain to you. Nobody screwed me over. I mean, I didn't I screw anybody over. Actually, I got over. screwed over. Let me tell you, I was try- I was wrestling a match like a gentleman, because I'm a gentleman, for those of you guys that don't know. Oh, yeah, it's breaking news. Anyhow, go ahead. So I tried to, I was wrestling like a gentleman, and the referee found that there was an issue with my feet on the ropes. So while I was trying to discuss it with him, while I was trying to discuss it with him, a man that's like one million years older than me, Gina Caruso, you know, he rolled me up and got the pin on me. So, you know, I got screwed today. You know, I I don't like the way I was treated. You know, I think I'm going to have to call, you know, uh, Al Sharpton and the whole entire Action News Network there, you know, just to straighten it out, you know. I just don't want to use Vaseline. Uh, I, I thought you said that you That's wanted no to get back to I'm telling you down. Well, it's going forward. Yeah, well, uh, can we look forward to the, the champ? Well, I'm going to pretend like Dave doesn't exist. But, you know, uh, next Friday you can see me and my boy Dan the Man. We're taking on Bandito Jr. and Frankie Flo for the ECPW Tag Team Championships. Because, as you know, Dan the Man, he's already a champion someplace else. I think it's CTWE. And, you know, myself, I'm the champion for BWO, so a guy like Dan the Man and myself, we're just trying to get gold. That's all we want is gold. You know, I want gold watches, gold chains, gold wrestling belts. That's all that, I, that I'm concerned about. So that's what we'll be doing uh, on next Friday night in Paramus, New Jersey, at the uh, Paramus Elves Lodge. But, of course, if you ever want to find anything else, go to my website, www.tristamore.com, or find my pa- Facebook page. It's Facebook.com slash Tristan Law Fan Page. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for giving us a call and look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to hearing if uh, you wind up getting uh, granting Steve off uh, the rematch that he is uh, clamoring for. Uh, thanks a lot for the time, Sam. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, Dave, uh, screw off. I'm I'm look forward to not hearing from you ever again. Thank you for uh, for for bleeding my ears. He's so he's so mean to you. So mean. Such contention. Anyway, let's go back out to the phones because we have at this moment in time, we have the one and only NWA on fire heavyweight champ Brian Fury on the line. How you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you? We're doing all right. So you have a big match coming up on Tuesday against Makua. We had uh, Makua on the line before, had some pretty strong words for you. Uh, and a uh, response uh, towards Makua. Oh, what a surprise. I come on the line and Makua is nowhere to be found. That seems to be the way things have been going lately. Uh, all the times the NWA on fire has been running, Makua has been running scared in the other direction. Actually, um, by the looks of him, he hasn't been doing any running at all. Probably just walking or uh, breathing heavily, going in the other direction. Uh, McCullough, the night I won the NWA on fire championship back, 
decided to stick his nose into my business and just up and declare himself as the number one contender on that evening, and that didn't sit well with me uh, in any way, shape, or form. And so I let him know that he didn't deserve the number one contendership, and I laid him out that night, hit the belt, and then since then he's really hasn't been around all too often because I uh, shaved his head and disgraced his Samoan heritage, and I haven't really seen uh, Makua much since then, and I can't blame him. didn't want to face me one-on-one either. So, um, you know, just I'm curious what was going through your head. I mean, were, was it, like, intentional to, to be as as disrespectful as possible when went in there and shaved his head? Of course it was. And nobody sends the message to Brian Fury. I'm the one that sends all the messages. I'm the one that doesn't play any games. I'm the one that does things the way they should be. He wants to step up big facility. He wants to declare himself number one contender to my on fire heavyweight championship, and I just showed him that uh, he doesn't really have what it takes to uh, to stand and bang with me. Well, this is, uh, this is shaping up to be quite a, a physical battle. I'd like to switch gears if we can for a little bit. Uh, one of your students, Evan Markopoulos, uh, I'm pronouncing it the correct way, has uh, got a show on TNA's. Uh, you're his instructor. Just give us a little bit about um, your philosophy as far as teaching uh, new wrestlers and what we can look forward to uh, coming out of Evan? Um, the biggest thing for me uh, at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy is making sure, first and foremost, that everybody's fundamentals are sound. Everything from mat work to footwork to in-ring psychology and stuff, the simple stuff, the basic stuff that a lot of people may or may not like brisk through because they want to learn all the cool fancy moves and stuff. I make sure all the stuff uh, that you really need to be a fundamental sound worker in this business is covered first and foremost and over and over and over and over again. A lot of my students kind of get sick of the repetition that we do there but when it comes to the simple stuff like that. But after they're in the business for a couple of years, they thank me very, very much because that's what means the most in this business. Uh, Evan was a great kid, an amazing student, always worked very, very hard, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, he has this opportunity uh, this Thursday night on Impact to, you know, get himself a TNA contract. Um, just curious, like, what is your selection process? I mean, can someone, someone decides, hey, I want to be a wrestler, I'm going to go to Brian Dursel, do you have to try out? Like, how do you uh, get enrolled in uh, New England uh, Pro Wrestling Academy? Uh, there's no, as long as there's no, like, major uh, physical damage to your body, you have no, like, pre-existing conditions, um, you know, we, we're pretty much accepting anybody. Um, Evan was a special case. He started when he was 13. Uh, right now, uh, I'm not, trying not to accept anybody under the age of 15. Um, 13 is very young, and your body's still growing and stuff. And, you know, Evan uh, went through a tough time because he was so young and so small when he first started. Um, but basically... Over the age of 15, no uh, real physical ailments or anything like that. Um, other than that, you know, if it's something that somebody really wants to do and they want to give it a shot, I'm all for helping somebody uh, li- either live their dreams or just uh, learn how to be a wrestler so they can have some fun on the weekends outside the regular job. That's awesome. I'm curious, like, for you as an instructor, uh, what, what is your priorities like? like if you um, – is it – 
moveset? Is it in-ring psychology? Is it mic skills? Uh, storytelling? Like when you, if you have to put your finger on, as an instructor, what the most important thing for students to learn is, what would that be? Uh, the biggest thing for me uh, overall in wrestling is uh, footwork um, and in-ring psychology are the two biggest things because uh, those are the things that are going to stand out the most in the long run. You know, if, you're, if your footwork is sound and you can be in the right place at the right time, taking 100 steps when something's showing take three or four, um, if you're smooth in transitions from running the ropes to up and overs to drop downs to taking bumps and, you know, feeding around to, you know, to hit again and stuff, that's going to show. Uh, in-ring psychology of course, is huge. There are many different ways to try to put a match together um, the right and wrong way. And in-ring psychology is one of the things that I really, 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 really harp on. And it's actually like the hardest thing for a lot of people to learn is in-ring psychology. But I'm sure that I cover it numerous different facets with 101 million different drills and different ways to teach it and show it and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we, we talk about that here a lot on the show. I mean, that's... Uh... Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more that, that in-ring psychology, in-ring storytelling. Um, sounds really good. But as far as uh, Evan goes, uh, how is he going as far as the in-ring psychology? Evan's good. I mean, it's kind of odd to think about an 18-year-old kid that has literally has five years of experience already um, here in the States. I know in Mexico it's a little more um, – you hear about it more often, I guess, than with like the Rey Mysterios and stuff like that started when they were really, really young. But here in the States, it's it's very rare. Uh, Evan, very smart kid. He picked up a lot of that stuff um, very early on, and then from there just content, kind of uh, continued to grow and continued to blossom uh, into really understanding what you have to do when you go out in that ring. And he's not afraid uh, to make a fool of himself if he has to. He's not afraid to try to be a tough guy if he has to. Uh, he can kind of do very, very, very different things, and um, that's important, I think, especially the make a fool of thing, because there's so many people that are not willing to go out in front of people and look stupid if the time calls for it, and he, you know, he's all for it. He understands that's what's going to help um, get the product or whatever you know, particular segment that he's in over, if that's what it calls for. Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. He'll be on... Uh, it's this Thursday on Gut Check on Impact Wrestling. Looking forward to seeing what Evan has offering. Uh, as far as Mr. Mr. Fury, uh, where can we see you getting in the ring and performing? Uh, this Tuesday night, Farmington, Maine, at the Farmington Fair, I will be defending my NWA on Fire Heavyweight Championship finally against the Samoan Warrior Makua. Uh, that is first and foremost on my list. Um, Next Saturday, I will be in Melrose, Massachusetts uh, for the Millennium Wrestling Federation. I'll be wrestling Al Snow. Um, then I have a couple other matches towards the end of the month for uh, Chaotic Wrestling. That's in Lowell, Massachusetts, and in Littleton, New Hampshire. I'll be wrestling Sean Burke both of those nights. But right now, Makua is first and foremost on my list. And I will defend the NWA on Fire Heavyweight Championship successfully and continue my second reign as champion. Uh, very cool. And you, do you have any last words you'd like to, again, I'm sure Makua's still listening, you'd like to say directly to Makua? Uh, Makua, uh, you bit off more than you can chew, and that's saying a lot looking at the size of you. 
you are about to be hurt and hurt badly. I disgraced you, and I disgraced your heritage before, but now I'm going to hurt you. And that's all that I really care about, hurting you. And I hope it sends a message to the rest of the life. Just don't think you can jump into my business and don't think you can declare yourself as number one contender without actually earning it. Wow. Well, them there fighting words where I've come from. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for giving us a call. Uh, but I mean, this match seems like just it's, it's an old grudge match and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you guys get in the ring. And uh, Duke, thanks a lot for the call. Hope to hear from you soon. No problem. You have a great day. Well, there you go. Uh, some inside information on the uh, going-ons in uh, New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Uh, Brian Fury, the owner and uh, trainer, and one of my pupils, Evan Markopoulos, uh, getting a break, uh, getting a chance on, on gut check. And, you know, Dave, we talk about this all the time. I mean, listening to Brian as an instructor, you know, an instructor really stressing uh, that in psychology, uh, you know, can't be a bad thing. Uh, you know, very excited to you know hear an instructor talk about the most important thing. Uh, it's not necessarily doing 73 flips off the top rope. It's that, that in-ring psychology. Uh, good stuff for Mr. Fury. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's 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 uh it's very insightful to hear from a from a trainer's perspective um what he's looking for in a talent or a pers- or a uh, prospective talent. Um it was it's pretty cool. Some some stuff I've not I've not heard of before and I've listened and watched a lot of interviews about guys and you know and and the training process and uh I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um you know, it, it, the mind of uh, somebody in the wrestling business it's uh it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was neat. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of cool that after having him on the show and you guys out there listening, you hear the philosophy of an instructor and then you can go and watch one of his pupils to, to see how the message is conveyed. So I think that's really neat. It was great having him on. And, uh, you know, big things coming out of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy and uh, Brian Fury being the, the instructor. And who knows? Maybe someday we'll see Fury on TV. But obviously... Some strong words towards Makua. And, um, you know, as far as in ring psychology goes, or I think this fight's just going to be a brawl between the two of them. Uh, uh, should be interesting to see who comes out on top because both guys, both guys, the way they talked about the other one, you know, no one's relenting. No one, you know, both of them have that kind of talk of, you know, this is this is my world, this is my yard, and, and you're trespassing here. Uh, you know, Makua feels disrespected, and to a certain extent, it seems like uh, Champ uh, a little bit disrespected as well. You can't just declare yourself the number one contender. So uh, both guys looking to gain a certain amount of respect in that ring, going after championship gold, because that's what it's all about. What it's all about is that championship, that gold around your waist. And what is happening tonight Night of Champions. I'm getting choked up about this. Night of Champions. Tonight in Boston. I'm on location in Boston, ready to go watch live. Every title in the WWE is on the line. Um, interestingly enough, the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, my goodness. You cannot 
You the Brooks kick. I don't know how Sheamus is ever going to retain his title without being able to use the bro kick. I've kind of enjoyed his use of the Texas Cloverleaf. That's been pretty cool. I like that hold. I think it gives some depth, uh, not only to uh, the the matches in and of themselves, but just Sheamus' character. hold. I like it. Uh, um, and, you know, I'm curious what you think, Dave, because, you know, I, there's talk of, like, their Saturday morning slam in the WWE is wants to get away from certain moves that maybe, uh, you know, could potentially in real life cause cushions, the whole question and stuff, and, uh, you know, maybe this is a little more than just storyline. Maybe this is a way to kind of transition the bro kick out of Sheamus' repertoire completely. And uh, I'll start using maybe the Texas Cloverleaf mold. We'll just kind of see the bro kick fade away. Uh, your thoughts on the bro kick and this match, Dave? Um, I don't think it's the uh, it's the, the theory that you know they're going to transition him to use another move. Um, because if that's the case, then Randy Orton's got to get rid of the RKO. CM Punk's got to get rid of the, the the go to sleep. Steve Austin, when he comes back and stuns random people, he's got to get rid of the stunner. So I mean, you know, I think they just I think they're just doing that for that Saturday morning show in particular because it's a rate it's a G rating and it's directly towards children completely. Um, as far as the storyline goes, um, I think it's I think it's just a tool to to uh, you know add a little intrigue to it because the feud didn't really have a whole lot of juice before and. Um, I, I think it's a possible way out that if they do uh, give the, the championship to Del Rio, that they, they have this out that Sheamus, you know, couldn't get his, – his move was banned. Um, if you remember a few years ago, um, Randy Orton defended the WWE championship against Shawn Michaels um, at the Survivor Series in 2007. And at the time, I believe – William Regal was the general manager of Raw, and he um, he banned Shawn Michaels from using the super kick in the match. And um, Michaels had to find different ways to um, to, to to beat Randy Orton. Um, he used the figure four, he used the cross face, he did a number of submission moves. Um, so I think this is um, just to add some intrigue to it. And it's also for the performer as well, someone like Sheamus, to see what else he has in his repertoire that can get over with the fans. Um, I mean, he does have the you know the Irish curse backbreaker. He's got the does that that's the razor's edge that Scott Hall does. I forget what he calls it. The Celtic cross, um, you know, the, the white noise. That other move that he's done before. So um, he's got he's got some stuff. I just think because the, the it's a kick and it's as devastating as it looks at times that they used it as a part of uh, to advance the storyline further. Um, I I could see. Sheamus, I mean, the, the the kick's been banned from use at all times. I could see Sheamus just losing his cool and, um, you know, kicking Del Rio, some sort of outside shenanigans involving Otunga and Rodriguez, and, uh, you know, the referee's knocked out. He used the kick. He knocks out Del Rio. And then Booker shows up and says, I told you you can't do that. Now i got to strip you of the title. And it doesn't make Sheamus look bad. And Del Rio gets the championship, similar to how Christian won it last year, when he spit in Randy Orton's face and Orton got DQ'd and lost the title. Um, Wait, hold 
Wait, wait. Booker T wouldn't say it like that. Could you at least tell, like, well, all right, how would Booker T come you want, you want me to do it? I do. I want to hear it. All right, okay. Seamus, now I told you last Monday, overall, that at any time, any place, you wasn't allowed to use the broke kick. And now I've seen what you've done, and i got no choice but to strip you of the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, my goodness. How was that? Uh, We got applause from our producers. uh, I was applauding that impression. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've gone on the deep end. On the deep, off the deep end here. I'm currently in a traffic light right now. There's probably some people in the cars wondering why I just did the the Booker T head shake, five knuckle shuffle thing. But <laughs> along the radio, I'm, I'm curious. I would be surprised if there's a situation tonight where uh, he does get stripped from the with the title from the title with the Eric. I, I can't speak tonight. <laughs> the title. And, Del Rio is unconscious, the new champ, and they have a cash-in. I mean, United Champions, you know, why not? And and Diggler's, you know, he's obnoxious as much as it could. You know, initially he might get a pop because, you know, it's against Del Rio. I mean, they could do stuff to keep him uh, a heel. So, uh, put it out there. Regardless, Do you think we get a cash-in tonight? I think we get a tease of a cash in. I don't think we get a cash in. I think we'll get a tease. I think we'll get another tease. I think we're going to get a tease. <laughs> I'll do my Booker T boys the whole rest of the show. I don't know if I'll be able to talk, but I'll do it if you want. What was that? I said, I'll do I'll do the Booker T voice the whole rest of the show if you want. You want me to give my predictions like Booker T? I can do that. I think with Booker T, like, this is more. Which, which, which makes him work as GM. Okay. But no, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a tease, and I think because the, I mean, it, it it would work in the sense that a lot of people have been saying that Del Rio needs this win, that he's not looking strong enough, and you know, this is you know that the whole you know his, his gimmick is kind of worn down because. He speaks about his destiny of being a champion, but he never wins the title. If he were to win it for a short moment and then Ziggler were to cash in, at least he's got that out where he can say, you know what, I was beaten, you know, I, I, I lost my championship after I just had a match. You know what I mean? Like, he can he can argue that point. But I don't think they're going to – I mean, that's a possibility – well, I don't think they're going to go that route. I think we'll see a tease at some point. I think they. I think they're still trying to figure out how they want to cash in, have Ziggler cash in. So, um, I mean, I don't know who to predict in this match. To be honest with you, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna go out of limb. I'm gonna say Alberto Del Rio wins the title from some sort of shenanigans taking place. And it's funny. So we'll we'll differ on this because I'm actually going to go with with Sheamus. I, I just. For my and it's funny. I agree with you. I, I'm like it's like a fifty-fifty 
split for me uh, looking at this map, but I do look at it and I'm, you know, I this part of me just feels like if they they ban the bull kick, that uh, for Sheamus's character's sake, he almost has to prove he can win without it. You know, he's the, the face that's been placed with insurmountable odds and has to has to defeat those odds. So, um. It's it's weird for me because on one hand, you know, and I'm looking at how things have unfolded, and my pick would be Sheamus. Um, you know, El Rio. That being said, if, if Sheamus wins tonight, where do, where do we go with Del Rio? I don't know. I mean, we we've, we've asked that question on we asked that question last month at SummerSlam. Where do they go with him? And they came up with that finish, and they could still they could still go with it. I mean, you know. Do I think Del Rio has to win? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think Sheamus – I mean, I understand they want to give Sheamus a long title reign so they can give the championship more credibility, and that's great. But if you're not going to do anything significant with Alberto Del Rio, um, you know, considering – I mean, he's going to get knocked down a peg or two um, if he does not win this championship. I would be – I mean, he's, he's had two short runs with the WWE title. Uh, I mean, it would not, it would be nice to see him beat Sheamus tonight in some form or fashion and have a, a, a significant run with the title and 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 prove himself. But um, he hasn't really uh, he hasn't really helped out his chances of being a long term champion with recent interviews he's had in the media about how he feels about his placement in the company and uh, how he's going to retire in a couple of years. Uh, so. Um, Maybe maybe now they're at the point where they're just using Del Rio as a tool to to uh, advance storylines and get over more guys, um, but still keep them in some important role. I mean, I don't know. I think it's interesting because I think that tonight will be a a telltale sign. I mean, if we see uh, you know Del Rio walk away with the strap, I mean, maybe you know. He- Big time player. If uh, Del Rio loses, um, yeah, I mean, he, if he's if he loses tonight, I just have a hard time him being in the WWE or World Heavyweight Championship picture anymore. I, you know, he just he just keeps being, uh, you know they knock him down a peg and he goes after the US or the IC title. They like, throw him in tag team. Uh, just get uh, establish a rivalry that's not title based. Um, I don't know, but it is. Uh, you know, if he loses, it's just you know he's he's on a trend. You know, like they did it with Jericho, but uh, you know he's in a tremendous uh, losing streak in in the big matches. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just can't. I, I don't know. I, I just won't be able to take him seriously as a number one contender at least for a little while. Uh, if he were to lose tonight. So it should be interesting where they go with that character. Um, I don't know if you guys could hear in the background, but uh turns out our hotel is literally right across the street um, from the arena, from the Night of Champions uh, arena, if you will. And uh, there was a yes chant that uh, was breaking out uh, outside. A huge crowd has uh, assembled outside the arena. Um, so there were chanting yes out there. So uh, you can just feel the energy getting ready to just jump in and, and uh, see Night Champions live. But you know what? It's time for, Dave. And it's going to be a special one this week. But it's time for... 
The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. Each and every week is something that we do here at the Ken Reedy Show, where you sit back on your couch or wherever you're watching wrestling, and, and you you're watching a match or a promo or some sort of performance, and you just you nod to yourself and say, "Yeah, that, that worked. That I, I like that." And that's a lot of approval. And, and each and every week, uh, you know, Dave and I come up with our own nods. Uh, you know, and then they're always something different. And, you know, we like what, what kind of makes this show run. That uh, you know, and I have uh, you know, some really different opinions on things in the world of wrestling. And you know, why the hell would you bring two people on a show that that agree with everything? That would just be stupid. And boring. So we get looks on things, and and that's how we run the show. Uh, but the interestingly enough, we we. Talked on the phone, we're putting the show together, and we were trying to think of, you know, a nod of approval. We both were kind of along the, the same page. Both going to kind of talk a little bit about our feelings on this, but the collective, the definitive, the Ken Reed show, Ken and Dave, the nod of approval for us this week goes to what we'd like to call the wrestling family. That's everything, everybody. Um, you know, just everything that happened this week uh, with uh, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, top to bottom, I mean, fans, amazing. Uh, it's amazing with social media right now. Fans are breaking stories uh, sooner than uh, reporters years ago. Um, you know, I was getting... You know, the news I was getting as Lawler, what was going on, was basically off of Twitter and fans in the arena. Um, the way Michael Cole conducted himself, uh, uh, tremendous. Um, TNA, uh, mentioning Lawler, uh, giving uh, their best wishes towards Lawler, a rival company. Um, you know, the fans support, uh, you know, even... Uh, Every week on, on Facebook, there's a group of us, and, and, you know, sometimes there are more than others, but there's a group of us that we do a Monday Night Raw thread. Where we talk about uh, what's going on on Monday Night Raw, and, and those of us who are on the thread that night, we're all kind of going through this, this Jerry Lawler thing together. Um, so everyone on the thread. So it, it, it was really difficult for me to pick Something with with what happened. I mean, we almost saw a guy die on live TV. I mean, let's uh, you know, it was real difficult for me to look at the wrestling world and say, you know, I'm going to give this promo the nod of approval. Um, it was tough. You know, everything was just over overshadowed by this. So, uh, um, all that being said, uh, you know, collectively we're give, we're calling it the wrestling family, and and everyone in our big dysfunctional family is getting a. A nod of approval and and your thoughts on on our family, Dave. Well, I mean, it was um, you know the like you said, it was a collective effort group of some sort, and uh, you know, I I want to you know give my nod, special nod to um, to the uh, you know the the performers overall um, for having to go out there and actually uh, you know uh, 
do what they do, you know. Uh, I mean, it had to be a tough situation and very tense for everybody um, backstage at the show. Um, and to continue going forward, um, you know, even the likes of, like, you know, John Cena, Bret Hart, and uh, and, and uh, CM Punk to, to, to close the show with that, you know, very passionate and intense face-off um, to hype up the final, you know, the, the, the final hype heading into the pay-per-view. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, who knows what, you know, what was going on backstage and what they saw and what they knew, you know, and, and to have to go out there and close out the show to, to get, you know, to get the fans to watch the pay-per-view. I mean, I, I commend them a hundred percent, you know, Michael Cole too. We talked about it earlier. He didn't commentate for the rest of the night, except for the updates that he brought towards the, um, you know, t- towards the Jerry Lawler situation. You know, I mean, I wouldn't blame the guy if he walked off, you know, I mean, technically he didn't really have to give updates, but I think he felt obligated to out of respect, for his friend, Jerry Lawler. I mean, a guy that passes out and collapses inches away from you while you're doing your job. I mean, it would be hard for, for anybody, you know, no matter what profession you are, to continue on doing your job, whether you're a plumber or a cook or you work in an office. I mean, you know, you would take the rest of the day off, you know, and he, and, and he still stayed where he was and just kept giving the fans updates at the beginning of commercial breaks and at the end of commercial breaks, you know, out of respect for his friends. So, um, like you said, TNA, overall, the whole support system that the entire wrestling community brought towards this situation was very overwhelming. And it must be very overwhelming for Jerry Lawler himself, you know. Um, I've heard Jim Ross say that he had spoken to Lawler and Lawler got emotional and about the support. And it just overall, it's a feel-good moment at the end of the day, knowing that he's going to be good and that, you know, everybody just kind of came together from us and fans and, and, and wrestlers and just everybody in the wrestling family, like you said, came together to to support a guy, you know, that, that has touched us in some way, shape, or form for the better part of, you know, you know several decades. So that, that that's, that's why I give my nod of approval and collective agreement with you, Ken. Yeah, and, and we can't forget that. Uh, the medical staff uh, of the WWE. I mean, yeah, they're right. a lot. No, I about that. And again, trying trying not to say, you know what would have happened, but you do hear a lot floating out there that uh, it was bad. It was real bad. That uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, Jerry maybe shouldn't have made it. And and you know, kudos to everybody on the WWE medical staff for, for jumping in and uh, you know, no what they were doing and, and, you know, working on him and, and, you know, getting him stabilized enough to transport to the hospital to, uh, you know, let the medical team at the hospital and the medical team hospital, you know, give them a uh, part of this. So uh, in a week with, with something that uh, is very difficult and, and uh, to to narrow down one eye or one person or one moment that, uh, um, you know, get a nod. Uh, our, our Big, extended, you know, we argue sometimes, but we are. We are a large, millions and millions, uh, extended, dysfunctional family. Uh, everyone, all get the shit muffled. The Ken Reedy Show, not over the 
So as we're getting close to the end, and, and you mentioned it, you know, it, it's a, as part of the nod of approval. You know, all the guys have got to go out and perform after the fact, and, and we have no idea what they know, what they saw. Um, but these people travel the road uh, up and down, uh, hundred some odd days a year. Uh, you know, guys are close with Waller. Um, I had to go back and watch it again because I, I really could concentrate because of what was going on. Uh, wow, wow, wow. John Cena, Cena Punk, Bret Hart, hell of a segment, hell of a segment anyway. Knowing what was going on, incredible segment, put over the match. John Cena, tremendous, tremendous. Don't like, look, don't go out there and say John Cena sucks on the mic, because he doesn't. You got to put the guy in the right situation. And man, those two put this pay-per-view over. They put the match over. Um, I don't know what anyone says. You're looking forward to seeing Cena in a match. You are. I'm sorry. Don't deny it. You're looking forward to a John Cena match. I, I, it's a tough match to call. D- Dave, I mean, where where do they go with this match? Another, which is great, and we've talked about this a zillion times. For us old wrestling fans, for us fans that have been watching this stuff for decades, it gets really tough to stump us. We share, we watch wrestling, and a lot of times we're just saying things before they happen. Um, you know, there's always obvious things. You can tell directions of things going. When wrestling is good for us old dogs, you know, it's good when we can watch this stuff and, and wonder, where are they going? Like, either way, it makes sense. Where's the story going? And we talked about it a little bit with Sheamus and Del Rio. This match, either guy winning makes sense. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, either guy does winning makes sense. I mean, uh, here's my take on it. You know, and, it, and it's funny how art has imitated life in, in a way. I mentioned it earlier, but, um, you know, CM Punk has not been seen in regards of a John Cena. You know, John. C- I mean, CM Punk's been the champion for almost a year. It'll be a year in November if, if he happens to keep the title then. And he's always been put on the back burner. It's been insignificant. His, his, his uh, you know, I, I think I said it when I was at your house at SummerSlam. Um, the WWE Championship has not been defended in the main event of a pay-per-view, the last match, the main event of a pay-per-view throughout this whole entire calendar year. And John Cena has basically made events in the majority of the pay-per-views. Um, and it's funny how Cena talked about how Punk, you know, demands this respect and it's because it's, his title run has been insignificant and the whole thing is that he's selfish and, you know, I mean, Cena might as well just come out and say that I'm a bigger star than you are because that's what, you know, it, 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 it comes across as to some wrestling fans. But with this situation, I think it would be better if CM Punk were to win, because if he were to win, then it would start to get him on that climb to being up in that John Cena status by defeating him, whether it's with outside interference or if it's clean in the middle or some screwy finish. I think it would help him so that he could become more of a household name than John Cena. So when that day John Cena walks away, you've got CM Punk to fill that void. Um, Granted, there are two totally different spectrums of fan bases between the two, but 
Punk would be that guy. Um, it is in John Cena's hometown. Cena has been known to do well in Boston. Um, I mean, it would make sense if John Cena won the belt. It's been over a year since he's had the championship. Um, this all reflects on what they – all this tonight is based on what they want to do with the Rock at the Royal Rumble. Do they want to do a Cena-Rock rematch, this time at the Royal Rumble, or do they want to go the punk-rock you know, uh, avenue? I mean, there's still a few months to get to that point. I mean, Punk could lose it tonight and then get it back next month or, you know, two months from now. But it's a, it's really, it really is a tough one to call. Um, I don't know where they go with this one. I don't know what the finish is going to be, who's going to win. I can't really pick a definitive winner. Um, I have a feeling, a, a strong feeling, that John Cena will win this match and give, you know, the crowd in Boston, somewhat of a happy ending. But personally, in my opinion, you know, Boston wrestling fans are, you know, I, I've been, I went to the Royal Rumble a few years ago in Boston and uh, Cena got a big response, but not anything overwhelming like a hometown guy would. And, and Boston fans are kind of along the lines of what CM Punk is about. They're smarter fans, like kind of like the fans in Chicago, well, of his hometown. So I wouldn't be surprised if Punk got a better reception than John Cena in Boston, in his own hometown. Um, you're also going to play into the fact that the last two times that they've met in the ring, Punk's come out the winner. So, I'm not sure where they go with this. I, really, I To be honest with you, I'm not going to pick a winner because I don't know. Um, I think the winner will be the fans because it will be a great match, like Tony said earlier. Um, so, I mean, my pick is really the fans. They're going to get a good match out of this. I agree with you. I think it's a tough one to call, which, again, is great. And just as a side note, short on time, uh, John Cena will be sporting a different shirt. Um, it will be the similar to the green one he has, uh, but instead of a green ring, it will have a pink ring around it. It will say, Rise Above Cancer. And uh, John Cena will be wearing the shirt through the end of October. Stay in WWE, WWE and partner with the Susan G. Cohen uh, for the cure to help fight breast cancer. Now through the end of October, John will wear a special edition co-branded pink and black ring gear to help raise funds and awareness in support of the millions of people affected by breast cancer. Get there, join the fight. So well done on the WWE's and John Cena's part uh, raising cancer. Yeah, John Cena's a jerk. That no good John Cena he likes children. She's making kids on a regular and tries basis. To and he, money for breast cancer awareness. Yeah, but he but but he sucks. He's no good. Yeah, he's a jerk. That, that gosh darn it, John Cena. That's yeah. why his wife divorced him. Gee, <laughs> I'm never gonna buy a John Cena. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, he's gonna retain. I the Rock versus Punk. Um, and Cena is going to be going after Rock's title. Uh, I love this. I mean, I, I love the slow build. I love, you know, Punk is getting stronger and stronger. Um, I think this is the match. And maybe wins with some sort of shenanigans, some sort of underhanded play. But, uh, you know, I think he wins and still is demanding respect, but is not getting it because uh, it wasn't a pure victory. But I do agree with you. I think we're going to get a great match. And uh, ultimately, who cares who the winner is? because the fans are going to win this. And we have reached the end of our program. What a jam-packed program. 
tonight. Well, thank you all so much for being on board for the ride. Dave, thanks as always. Our producer, thank you, Michelle. And you support us. We love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We will see you next week back at a regular time, 6 o'clock. For Dave, I am Ken Reedy. Thank you all, and good night.